Damn Good Podcast is brought to you by GameTime, your new go-to app for the best deals on last-minute tickets. Ticket prices drop right before the game starts, and because GameTime tracks prices in real time from thousands of trusted sellers, they're able to show you the best last-minute deals with prices up to 60% off. You want SEC Championship tickets? You got GameTime. The GameTime app is simple, quick, and easy to navigate. Download the GameTime app in the Google Play or App Store and score last-minute tickets up to 60% off. We just stepped on their face with a hobnail boot and broke their nose. We just crushed their face. Hello, everybody. This is Seth Emerson here with the Damn Good Podcast. Over there is Rennie Curran. And obviously, this is a big week. And uh, Rennie, as we were discussing off the air, we're going to discuss the new edition three-part movie that came out on BET a couple years ago, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Let's get into it, man. I, I don't know much of what was going on, but, you know, I was in diapers at that time, but I, I could, you know, hear it but didn't really know what it meant. So, yeah, explain. Yeah, just to get behind the curtain here, Rennie and I don't, like, sit down, and I don't do this with Jeff Schultz either, and and map out the entire show. We just kind of like winging it. And right before we started to record this show, for some reason I dropped a Belle Biv DeVoe reference, um, and it just kind of, we quickly went from there, and I said, oh, I want to talk about the new edition movie. We're not going to talk about the new edition movie. (laughs) Three-part series starring Wood Harris, who was on The Wire, um, as New Edition's main producer. But anyway, um, we want to talk let, – let's spin this forward to the SEC Championship right away. We're, we're going to get a little bit into the Georgia Tech thing. We're going to talk a little bit about the George Pickens thing. But I'll start with this. Rennie, last week when we talked, you sounded pretty optimistic about Georgia's chances against LSU. Maybe not like Georgia's absolutely going to win, but optimistic that they have a better chance than maybe a lot of people think. Since then, Lawrence Cager is out. He's going to miss the SEC championship and probably the rest of the season. George Pickens, who, again, we will get to, is going to be out for the first half of the game. DeAndre Swift, apparently his shoulder is okay, uh, if we believe everything we're hearing. Um, but what do we think now, Rennie? It has, what do you think about this matchup now? Uh, I still feel the same way I did before, man, and, and there's a couple reasons why. I mean, number one, obviously, is our defense. Mm-hmm. You know, the way that we're playing right now, uh, especially at the defensive line position up front, man, it, it gives me a lot of confidence going into this game. Um, just, you know, thinking to myself that if we can be disruptive, if we can continue to make the plays that we need to make, uh, we're going to have a chance. You know, it, it may not um, be you know, none of our games lately have been pretty wins, so I'm not expecting a, a all-out thrashing of LSU by any means. But I do know that we have a chance, man. And, and um, beyond that, uh, we have guys who are who are stepping up. You know, in this past game, with the mistakes that we made, even with the incident that happened with Pickens that we're going to talk about later, we still did some good things. And um, mm-hmm. the biggest thing that I saw that I think is a huge opportunity. Uh, for growth is just being consistent. You know, we came out at times and we looked like a national championship caliber team, uh, a caliber offense at times. And then other times we came out and then 
we we showed the inconsistencies, the right. you know the the missed passes or misplaced balls, uh, drop balls, different things like that, uh, dropping balls, putting it on the ground. Uh, so I think if we could just focus on being consistent, like we have a great chance. Obviously, we have the talent, so it's just about going out there and putting out uh, a, a consistent product. Yeah, that's the thing about the offense. You mentioned the the inconsistency. There's times that this offense looks great. They where they just kind of turn it on, and by times I mean like drives. It'll it'll come, and you're like, okay, where's that mm-hmm. been? Um, you know that. The yeah. touchdown pass to Charlie Warner, the drive that led up to that, uh, the drive where Eli Wolf gets a pass over the middle and gets a whole bunch of yards after the catch. You, you saw those kind of plays. You, you feel like you haven't seen that kind of a play since Isaac Nauta was here. Um, they they show why expectations are higher for the offense and why people are mad about the state of the offense because they're capable of doing this more consistently, and, and they just they don't for whatever reason. Um, now, I think if DeAndre Swift was hurt and couldn't play, I, frankly, I think that would be the death knell for the offense. Um, I think it would be the effect of what happened with Carrion Johnson for Auburn against Georgia two years ago. He's just too key. I mean, Brian Herrien's good. Zamir Swift will one day be good, but just not at the level of DeAndre Swift right now. Cager and Pickens being out, Pickens being able to return in the second half, that's the bigger deal. And... They've got to do what they were doing in the Georgia Tech game, which is throwing to the tight end. Um, Tyler Simmons looks like he's coming on again as the mm-hmm. season nears an end. That That's big for them. But so much of it comes down to, to Jake Fromm. I mean, you feel like this line is going to block, and this line is most of the time going to give Jake Fromm time to throw. Uh, and you feel like DeAndre Swift is going to do his thing, presuming he's healthy. It's just a matter of whether this passing game is going to come together, and it gets back to this debate we've been having all year about what has been the issue. Is it from? Is it the receivers? Is it the play calling? Is it that from has not progressed because, for whatever reason, including perhaps that you know James Coley as quarterbacks coach hasn't he hasn't gelled with him as much as he gelled with Jim Cheney? I don't know. I don't know what the real answer is, and that's what's kind of maddening about this season and this offense. Yeah, it is a tough thing to put a gauge on. And like you said, there's a lot of different dynamics, uh, especially when you look at going from a quarterback's coach to offense coordinator. It totally changes your the dynamics of your relationships with your players because you're not just dealing with one position. Now you have to be mindful of the entire scheme. And beyond that, you have to be mindful of how do you utilize your talent. And sometimes you get it right. Sometimes, you know, you get it wrong. As a coach, you may miss out on players that are right up under your nose that have the talent, have uh, game playing ability, but because you're so focused on the game plan and how do you match up against this defense, you can kind of um, miss those opportunities. And, um, you know, keep a, a couple key names that you point out, Tyler Simmons being one of them, uh, who is now, I, f- I feel like he's a guy who's had a, a chip on his shoulder. He hasn't really gotten that um, playing time that he needs. Early on, he was getting some action, but uh, throughout the, the last couple of weeks, because of the emergence of Lawrence Cager, mm-hmm. And, you know, a few other players like Pickens, he's kind of falling under the radar. And I think it, it started with that. Uh, I can't remember what, exactly what game it was, but he had uh, a, a muff punt, I believe. The Notre Dame game. And that kind of. And yeah, Dom Blaylock's exactly pretty much game. been the guy since then. And then Dom <laughs> muffed a punt. <laughs> right. Actually, but still. So, yeah, just, just things like that that I feel like if 
affected not only his confidence, but probably the coach's confidence in him. Uh, and, and now he's starting to get that back. So I think he definitely has that chip on his shoulder. He's going to be a guy that gets featured, I believe, a lot more, as, as he should. You know, he's a playmaker for us. Uh, we need to get the ball in his hands, especially with Kajer not being there and us not having a real veteran presence at the wide receiver position. Uh, so I think him, uh, along with, you know, uh, definitely Blaylock is going to become, I mean, he already is one of uh, our featured guys, but he's going to become of even more importance with this SEC championship. Him, Demetrius, uh, Robinson, and, uh, <clears throat> of course, our tight ends. I mean, like you said, it's going to be so important for us to, to get them into the mix. And I feel like once we're able to do that, get them into the mix, uh, and then also stay consistent with the run game and don't totally abandon that, which we have the tendency to do at times, uh, I think we'll be okay, you know, especially with the way our defense is playing, like I said. But, and then another thing we haven't mentioned is the crowd factor. We're going to be playing, I mean, it's going to be a home game pretty much, and we know uh, just how important uh, our, our the Bulldog Nation is. I mean, just everything from the crowd noise to, uh, you know, the, the communication in terms of the opposing offenses, um, you know, cadence, uh, making sure that that offensive lineman or, you know, that wide receiver, that, that they have a hard time concentrating during that game because of the noise and because of uh, just everything going on. I think that's going to be a major factor. Yeah, I'm trying to remember how much home crowd or how much of a Georgia crowd it has been the last couple of years. It's been hard to tell because Auburn and Alabama are close enough mm-hmm. that – those fans have been able to come over and pick up, you know, a decent amount of the the crowd and the tickets. Um, different variable with LSU because it's further away. I mean, it's not Texas A and M far away, but it's further away. So I, I think that's that's going to be hard to tell. And I think you're you're probably right. There's going to be a little bit more, uh, a little bit more Georgia fans than there've been the last three times Georgia's played in that building. They've also played well in that building. I, I I think I said mm-hmm. this. I've said this a couple times, and I wrote this in my column post game on Georgia Tech. There I am, using that expression. I've said this before, but here I go again. I I <laughs> and and I say this after watching LSU dismantle Texas A and M the other night, and digging into the stats a little bit more on them. If you looked at Georgia's season, and you looked at LSU's season, you'd say. There's not much chance Georgia's going to win this game, and it might not be close. But if you remember that this is the same Georgia team with the same head coach, the same quarterback, same strong face, safety, running back, left tackle, several other key players that have played well in this environment, in this game. They've been there before. Uh, Joe Burrow actually you know, kind of hasn't. He, he's played in some big games. I mean, going into Tuscaloosa like he did earlier this year is maybe as big as this game was. But Georgia's got the intangibles on their side a little bit. And the other intangible part that I, I wonder if they have on their side is whether LSU is a little too kind of, you know, feeling like they're in no matter what. Um, and by the way, I said this last year, too, about Alabama when the assumption was that, that Alabama was in no matter what. I don't think that's a guarantee. If if you're Alabama last year or LSU this year and you lose, you're suddenly leaving it up to a bunch of human beings on a committee. Like if they don't have a set criteria that they have to stick to. If Oklahoma and Utah both win or I mean hell, Baylor has one loss. 
So the Big 12 winner, and then if Utah wins, you suddenly have four, I guess five, uh, one-loss conference champions, and do you automatically take LSU over any one-loss conference champion? So, I, but I, I still think that that probably still creeps into some LSU people's heads is that, you know, we're in no matter what. And I wonder if that did last year for Alabama. So I, I think intangibles are on Georgia's side here. Um, it's just a matter of it, it's just a matter of a whether their offense can get their stuff in gear against the LSU defense that, by the way, looked better against Texas A and M, and may not be as suspect as people think. If you dig deeper into their stats and their matchups, they've given up actually a lot of yards when other teams are trying to come back. Um, and then the other thing, just the main thing being not the main thing, but one of the main things being that. Does defense still win championships in this day in this day and age? Rennie, I think when you were playing, it was true. Most of the time, good defense stopped good offense, by and large. But in this day and age, something seems to have changed. Explosive offenses offenses seem to be ahead of defenses right now. I don't know if you agree with that, mm-hmm. but uh, it it just seems like. It's not a given that you can say Georgia has a great defense, so they're going to be able to stop this great offense. Man, I don't know. When, when I look at, I mean, whether it's, it's the college level, whether it's the pro level, when I look at those dominant teams um, that end up winning the championships, I always immediately think about their defensive line and how yeah. dominant they are, how they have, you know, uh, those pass rushers who consistently can get to the quarterback and be disruptive. Um you know, so I, I definitely, when it comes to, to Georgia and our chances, like I said, because of our dominant defensive line play, well, which is where I believe it starts, I think we have a chance, man. And um, I love the way, and I've talked about this before, I love the way that we play in big games. You know, it's yeah. the, the SEC championship or any any bowl game, we've, we've played at a different level. And I know uh, going into this game that, uh, you know, starting this week, their level of focus, I'm sure if you go to Butts Mill right now, or this afternoon when they had practice, that the environment in that facility is going to be completely different than it has been the entire year. Like, they know what's at stake. Uh, they know what they have the opportunity to do. And, you know, like once again, it's a home game, you know, so they know that LSU is coming to our turf. They're coming to our state. So if they don't have that chip on their shoulder, I don't know <laughs> when else they will. So I, I think just like you have teams who – uh, they come to play us, you know, when we've been highly ranked majority of the year. So teams have come and they've had that chip on their shoulder uh, to, to make a statement, to uh, show the world what they can do against Georgia. I think Georgia is going to have that same type of mindset going against LSU, um, knowing that they're going against somebody and, and they're considered the underdog. So they're going to have that going for them, which I believe is a major advantage, you know, when you're going into a game knowing that you have something proved, knowing that you have the chip on the shoulder as opposed to the other way around where everybody's kind of believing that you, you have it won. So, um, yeah, I, I uh, by no means do I think LSU is taking us lightly either. I mean, anybody that plays in the SEC knows that, you know, it's any given Saturday, anybody can win. And you, the last thing you want to do is get comfortable. But I just think Georgia, you know, has that edge because of what we've been through, because we have, you know, some younger guys, uh, while at the same time having guys who have that experience, who've been there, uh, and kind of done that. So I think we're going to, uh, you know, be in that competitive mindset, but at the same time not be overwhelmed by this opportunity mm-hmm. because we have been there before. So I'm I'm excited to see what we put together. Yeah, and like I said, I think the intangibles help Georgia here. 
mm-hmm. and, and the other part of it that figures into that is that Georgia's been pointing at this all year. They've basically started this season assuming this was a 13-game regular season. Um, so, And this is their third straight SEC championship. They know the rhythms of this. This isn't an extra game. Um, now, LSU has known for several weeks that it also has a 13-game season. Um, they just haven't had to do it lately. Uh, when was their last... When was LSU's last SEC championship appearance? I mean, obviously never hmm. under Orgeron, but um, is it 2011 against Georgia? Because 2012 was Alabama, 2013 was uh, yeah. I mean, yeah, I think that's you know it's been Alabama or Auburn since then, unless I'm forgetting something. I'll look it up here. But yeah. bottom line is, yeah, Georgia has that on its side and. I don't know. I mean, obviously, if you're listening to this right now, you can tell Rennie's still more bullish on Georgia's chances than I am, um, which is good. We got to, you know, mix it up. Um, got to have difference of opinion. I, I agree with what you're saying about defensive line, where the thing about it, though, is LSU is passed to set up the run. So how much does how much is that mitigated by LSU's offensive approach and the fact that LSU is going to come out and throw so much. And if there is a weakness on this defense, it's middle of the field passing. It's, and, and that would basically be the weakness for any defense really is once you, you know, your second, your right. third, your fourth cornerback. Well, something that's fascinating here is the chess match that's going to be going on. LSU goes four and five wide so much, but a lot of times the fourth, or even the third guy is the tight end or Edwards Hilaire, the running back. Um, so it's not like they're throwing four or five wide receivers at you a lot. But chess match-wise, what Georgia does so well, and one of the reasons they're so good on defense is they play so many guys, and they're so deep at like every position. But if LSU comes out, spreads everybody out, does that mitigate how much you're able to use those edge rushers? how much you're able to use those defensive linemen, the fact that you have to, if you're Georgia, do you stick your your nickel and your dime guys out there a lot um, at the expense of, you know, I mean, you you can only play 11. You, you see what I'm getting at, Rennie. You know, yeah. you, the, the more you have to play those DBs, as, as good as they may be, the less that you're playing some of these edge rushers who are really good or these defensive linemen who are really good. Um, what do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, I think there's there's different things that you can do when you have that uh, pass happy type of offense where they're throwing you know those those four receivers at you and you're dip, you're getting those different formations. A lot of times it may not even be necessarily getting to the quarterback. Sometimes it may just be throwing off his timing. You know, making sure that he's not back there staying comfortable and able to you know pick apart your defense. So there's I'm sure a lot of different things that they're going to be able to do. Which, like you said, we have so much depth. Right now, so whether it's you know uh, we're going into a nickel or dime package, uh, or we're uh, you know in our regular defense, um, there's just a lot of different things that we can do because of the amount of, of talent and, and the level of the ability of the players that we have. Even you know I've seen our outside linebackers like uh, JJ Jermaine Johnson who have the ability to cover uh, yeah. as well. So there's there's a lot of different things we can do where we're blitzing, but we're also dropping guys on the back backside, um, throwing that quarterback off. So uh, we're able to disguise different things. So I'm sure they're going to 
uh, make sure that they, they put in a package that slows him down, make sure that he has to get, go to that second, sometimes that third read. Um, <clears throat> but at the end of the day, it's, I, I believe it really does start up front. If we're able to make him uncomfortable, um, you know, get, get him on the ground, throw off his timing, get those hands in his face, it's just going to uh, give us more opportunities to uh, to make plays. Yeah, I was. I, I mean, so I was going to ask, like, what would you do? I mean, Tay Crowder, Monty Rice are your inside mm-hmm. linebackers. N'Kobe Dean comes in on third downs. Those guys have been playing really well. Um, do you, and at edge rusher, I mean, it, it's hard to take Aziz Ojolari off the field, but right. how much is he? Is his effectiveness going to be minimized a little bit this game? Um, you know, because it, it's hard to imagine putting him or Nolan Smith like consistently like covering a slot guy, for instance, unless that's a tight end. Um, but then when that tight end is going out, can Aziz keep up? I think Nolan can, but Aziz, I think, is a little bit more of a hand-on-the-ground guy. Um, but, yeah, what do you do? Do you Is Mark Webb going to play more? Something I think that would be helped, and I pointed this out in my, my first glance story this uh, on Monday, is that Georgia rotating these defensive backs, and it's almost like they've been doing this in preparation for this game. They will never admit it. But um, And with Eric Stokes getting hurt, so by necessity, Tyson Campbell was playing a little bit more, but Stokes is fine now. They've played three cornerbacks, Stokes, Tyson Campbell, and DJ Daniel, a lot the last few weeks. They could play all three at the same time now. As in, you don't have to say that, and Mark Webb has done a good job as the nickel this year, but now Mark Webb can slide over to the dime. And Devon Wilson can can sub in with him. I, I wonder if they will play all three receivers at at the same time. Uh, and then yeah. that you know a Tay Crowder or Monty Rice can then line up on a slot guy. You know when it's a tight end or a Tay Crowder, former running back, can keep up with a fourth receiver or third receiver if he needs to. So I guess you're right. And Adam Anderson's been playing a lot on third downs as like a or even second down, second and longs is kind of like a designated pass rusher. Mm-hmm. Um, although. We're talking about who's going to cover who. I think you were right, Renan, when you were talking about pressure. One thing I noticed that Texas A&M did do well in the second half for a little bit was they were able to get pressure. When you get pressure, that's really your only chance. If Joe Burrow is able to sit back there and mm-hmm. go through his reads, any team is going to be in trouble. The Patriots would be in trouble. So that's going to be a key. Yeah, I, I totally agree, man. We cannot let this guy get comfortable at all during this game. And I think uh, when you – talked about what can you do in terms of utilizing those past uh pass rushers and and all that in the dbs i think just having that combination of plays and, and blitzes where you don't necessarily know who's coming you know it may be a cornerback on one play maybe a cornerback blitz or it may be a cornerback showing that he's blitzing mm-hmm. uh, at the beginning then he's dropping out with the linebacker right. coming you know they're gonna have to do a combination of those type of, of stunts uh, where you're not, uh, he's never really going to be able to get a read on who exactly is coming. They're going to be showing blitz. They're going to be dropping. They're going to be doing a combination. So I think that's what's going to be able to keep us in the game is is us being unpredictable on defense and uh, making sure that you know, like I said, we're not allowing him to to stay back there, be comfortable. He needs to constantly be having that uh, that clock in his head that to know that if I don't get rid of this ball, I'm getting the crap knocked out of me. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I know that's what Kirby's going to be pushing all week is, hey, do not let this guy get confident, get comfortable, you know, take their players out the game, uh, establish yourselves from the get-go, make, get those turnovers type of deal. So, yeah. Yeah, we're, we're getting kind of nerded, football nerdy here. But, yeah, I mean, that that's what 
they need to do is mix up these pressures and and it's easier said than done i'm sure everyone's gone in with that game plan against joe burrow i mean he's going to win the heisman for a reason and this lsu offense is good for a reason but they they just need to do it enough i mean look they're not going to shut out lsu they're not going to keep it to a single digit game um and i i I fall in the the mistake of doing this too uh where you kind of said, all right, what's the baseline? How many points does Georgia's defense need to give up to give the offense a chance? It's not even about points a lot of time. It's about just field position. Um, mm-hmm. it, it's, it, I think yards is and yards per play is often a better metric because, I mean, it, it, it's not like – you know, we're, it's not like baseball where there's innings. You know, there when you when you get off the field, it depends on where you get off the field. So, but if we did set a baseline, we'd say, look, the defense has to go to the offense and realistically say, I think we can. You know, if you can get to 24 points, that that's what we can do. Um, I, I think this defense can do that. I think they've got. They think they can. I don't know if they will, but we've seen a lot from this defense to give us confidence. They've got some smart, savvy veterans out there. They've got J.R. Reed. Mm-hmm. Richard LeCount has really come into his own. Those inside linebackers, Rice and, and Crowder, are just smart guys who have a nose for the ball the same way uh, Rice and LeCount do. As long as those guys are out there, they have a chance. Aziz Ojolari is only a redshirt freshman, but he plays like a fifth-year senior. Um, and they've got like Jordan Davis seems to get into the backfield all the time. They, they've just all around. They, they've got guys that do the right thing, um, and they give this team a chance. And the blitzes that Dan Lanning, with I assume Kirby Smart's help and the other assistants, Glenn Schumann and company, that what Lanning has done this year in dialing up different blitzes and pressures and, and scheming up offenses gives you confidence that they will they will do. They, they, this gives Georgia a chance. And then it just comes back to the offense. All right. And you don't know. I, honestly, you don't know what you're going to get out of this offense. And it's not encouraging that Lawrence Cager is out. Then there's Mr. George Pickens, who is out for a quarter. And, you know, they Kirby said this Sunday night when he was asked, like, how does this affect your rotation at receiver? And he says, well, we we knew this. It's the same situation as last game because it is. They knew they didn't have Cager for Georgia Tech. Um, they knew they didn't have Pickens for the first half because he was suspended for an internal matter, uh, whatever it was he did. And then Mr. Pickens goes out there and lets the emotions get the best of him, and he's out for the first half of the SEC championship. Rennie, what what'd you what'd you think watching that happen? I mean, uh, for me, uh, first thing that came to mind was young guy um, still you know, has – and I've said this about him a lot, man, and, uh, and I've kind of referenced this, too, referenced this too in terms of players that have a lot of uh, ability. They might have the talent but may not um, be matured just yet. And he's a perfect mm-hmm. example. I mean, he definitely has some growing to do, as do a lot of the younger players. But uh, him him definitely, like, there's, you know, every team that, that I played on, and I speak for most athletes, that you, you have guys who have all the ability in the world and because of that ability, because of that talent, um, they're able to get away with the ego. They're able to get away with um, just things that normal players or most players wouldn't. Not saying that he's the type of guy that he's arrogant or has that ego, but 
um, it could be a high possibility uh, that he that he does uh, show that. And when you have the fights and things that like uh, things like that going on, um, that's the first thing that comes to my mind is is just that player that has the ability, has the talent, but uh, because of that hasn't really developed fully mentally yet and so he like i said he's it's gonna take him some time he's still young um you know i still believe he has a bright future and whatnot but he has to be able to you know really get on that fast because as talented as he is we all know how good recruiting is at georgia (laughs) Mm -hmm. so he can think you know uh you know not saying that he has this belief or not but judging by his actions uh it could it you know kind of shows that that uh, because he's gotten on the field early, because he has ability, he may, th- may kind of make you comfortable, especially being a freshman, thinking like this is just how it is until next year when there's another George Pickens that comes and he has just as much ability and he has a character. And then all of a sudden you find yourself on the uh, sidelines looking in. <laughs> so if I have one suggestion for him, I would definitely say, man, keep that on, you know, keep that uh under control you know that the the fighting the uh if you do have an ego you know humble yourself uh go out there and just do your job um and i know that the players are probably in his ear the coaches are definitely in his ear i'm sure he's doing up downs and <laughs> running sprints at, at 6 a.m to, to make sure yeah. that doesn't happen again but yeah that's that's the first thing that comes to mind because that's the last thing that we need uh as a team and so if you have a guy like where everybody around you is trying to perform, trying to do their thing, trying to make sure they're hitting on all cylinders, and then you're selfish enough to go out there and start a fight. I don't care if it's a spur of the moment type thing or whatever. Like that, that stems from some level of selfishness. Like if you, uh, you know, in the middle of a game, especially when you know where we're trying to go, and you're, you're gonna, you know, start a fight or, or even engage in that. I mean, it just doesn't doesn't go well. It never goes well. Number one, and it doesn't look good on you and your brand so uh yeah so hopefully he he learns from it you know like i said when you're young you tend to do things like that whether it's a fight or whether it's making a mistake um you know missing your keys missing your plays um or miss you know missing all those little mental aspects of the game um that extend far beyond like your ability um that's that's what tends to happen so hopefully he, he can learn it can grow uh, fast, or else, like I said, he's going to find himself on the bench. I'm looking at Georgia's recruiting board right now. Uh, Marcus Roseme, uh, number 35 overall prospect for the 24 Sports database, committed. He's from Fort Lauderdale. Uh, another wide receiver, Justin Robinson, four star, only ranked number 328 nationally, but still. Uh, he's coming in mm-hmm. and you know they're chasing after some other five stars so yeah and Dominic Blaylock's here Makia Tung guy who's redshirting this year but he has some capability he's a big receiver I mean look they need pickings so let's be honest he's gonna have a leash mm-hmm. uh, but I mean he's got a leash and Randy knows this as much as anybody because I'm, I'm sure you saw it you know there were guys that had talent that was like all right you know we'll, and this goes for georgia and the nfl yeah. like we allow a little bit but there's only so much you can take exactly. and i've seen that covering georgia over the years that there's been guys where they're like okay you know i'm, I'm sorry we, we gave you a chance and it just didn't come through um we don't know what george did 
to get the suspension. I think it's probably it's a bad sign he did something to get suspended by uh, Kirby. It's a good sign that Kirby did because he's kind of setting a bar here that says we're we're not not only are we going to suspend you, but we're not going to hide that we suspended you. Because mm-hmm. I'm sure there have been times guys have not played and it's been for a quote unquote injury that it was you know that he was protecting people. Um, and I, I get that. I don't have a problem. I mean, my job is to get the truth, but I don't have a problem with that, honestly, if you want to protect somebody. Um, you know, if, if, it, if it was an internal team matter, then that's one thing. If it was an arrest or doing something against society, that's another thing. But in this case, Kirby, it's interesting, didn't try to cover it up. He said team matter, and he knows that everyone knows that means discipline and that he did something. So he's kind of... He's kind of putting it down for George Pickens going forward, saying, "Look, you know, you gotta, you gotta get it right." And uh, he's only a freshman; he's going to make some mistakes, but uh, they need him. They need him in this game, only the second half going forward. Uh, but they need him going forward. They, they have other players, but George Pickens and Dominic Blaylock are going to be the best receivers on this team next year. Lawrence Cager isn't coming back. Um, Demetrius Robertson's a junior, but he's a redshirt junior, so I, you know, I don't know. Um, they they need George Pickens, and I think this is part of. Kirby said after the game, he sounded a lot like Mark Rick, and I mean that in the best sense. He's like, you got to love up these guys. You got to love them. I love them, and that's why I suspended him. Mm-hmm. Um, reminded me of things that Mark Rick would say, and and you know what? A lot of times it did work. A lot of times you you'd say, oh, this guy's never going to make it, and he ends up leaving the program in good graces, but. Other times, they didn't make it. So the George Pickens is going to be fascinating to watch, frankly. Yeah, with, without a doubt. Like I said, I hope he gets it right, and uh, you know he he learns fast because as as much as these coaches, you know, they love the players. You know, I remember being there, and and I made my mistakes as a freshman too. You know, I got uh, suspensions. I'm, I'm not proud of it, but I was young and I was stupid, and I learned from it. And at the end of the day, I was, you know, I tried to be a good kid. And that's that's what these coaches know at the end of the day. And I think the same is true with, with Pickens. No kid just goes out and just wants to get in trouble or just like mm-hmm. is thinking about ways they can, you know, go against the, the team. But at the end of the day, when you're immature, and you don't really realize it. Like you're 18, 19 years old. You do stupid things. And it's like people ask you why you did it. You're like, oh, no, it's just yeah, in that moment. You just had like, I mean, you op- you're operating uh, just uh, from your emotions instead of taking a step back and saying, okay, this is how I need to approach this. And that comes with time. So, like I said, I just hope he is able to learn that and able to gain that foresight and that wisdom before, you know, he makes a mistake that is too costly. Uh, or, like I said, before they bring in another player that has the same ability because I guarantee you it's going to happen. Ne- you know, if it's not next year, it's going to be the year right. after where they're going to find a player somewhere, a five-star athlete that is another George Pickens that has just the same ability but maybe uh, has a little bit more self-control or is wiser or learns faster, and he's going to start to challenge him for that position. And that's when you know things will change very, very quickly where those mistakes that he's making won't be as quickly uh, forgiven. You know, um, So I, I really hope for his sake that he's able to get it under control and do what he needs to do. Because uh, that's one of those challenges that, that just come with being at that level. You know, you're young, but your health is such a high standard. And then the coach's jobs are on the line, too. So it's like Kirby has to, you know, 
discipline him. You know, he has to set that tone because that sends ripple effects when you don't discipline a player right. like that, especially a guy who's as talented as a George Pickett. If you don't discipline him or you let things go under the radar or whatever, it kind of sends a message to the players that, you know, maybe aren't as talented that, hey, you know, you can get away with things if you are making plays, you know, which is, I'm sure, the signal that he does not want to send um, uh, Kirby, um, you know, as a head coach. So I think he's definitely doing the right thing. And like I said, I hope Pickens can get things right because we, you're right. We well, do at need least him. in this. Yeah. I mean, at least in this case, whatever he did behind the scenes to get the half suspension for the Georgia Tech game, that was obviously it was an internal matter. I don't know what it was, mm-hmm. um, but at least the what got him suspended for the Georgia Tech game was something emotional against the other team. You know, he got in a fight. He shouldn't have mm-hmm. done it. Um, and anybody kind of reveling in, oh, he slammed a Georgia Tech player up against the wall. No, you just – you don't do that. You're, you've are you got to know that you're going to cost yourself time. You're going to you're gonna get ejected from that game, mm-hmm. which is going to cost you and cost your team, although it wasn't going to cost Georgia in that game. But it's going to cost you in the SEC championship. So you've got to have a head on your shoulders. But, I mean, I guess he – at least he wasn't like yelling at people on his own sideline or anything. He was taking out aggression on somebody else. He was frustrated with a cornerback. He got in a fight. He still shouldn't have done it, but at least it wasn't, you know, internal. Um, so it, it's, you know, it, it's, and everything I've heard about this guy, about Pickens, is that he's not the type like who's a cancer or anything internally. It's just he's an emotional kid. Mm-hmm. And there are guys like that. And they've just got to figure that out and get him to figure it out. And that's going to be an important thing moving forward for this program. Yeah. Because they need him. <laughs> oh, yeah. And, I mean, one thing I will say, though, is I'm glad it happened against Tech, you know, and and not against uh, – not this coming week, you know, because I believe it could be a lot more costly if we get, a, right. you know, a major penalty in crucial moments. You know, luckily we're up by a couple of touchdowns and the game was, was already kind of getting away from them. But, uh, yeah, it, it could definitely – uh, hurt us a lot more when games online we got one or two you know uh, we're down by touchdown or uh, games getting crucial and, and we need a big play if he loses his head in that moment then I mean it can be a lot more serious so I'm, <clears throat> I hope like I said he learned his lesson and it's something that helps us in the future all right well Rennie uh, anything else you want to add I mean there's gonna be five or six more days of hype about this game and discussion about this game. We've had about 37 minutes of it almost. Uh, anything else you want to add before we go? Man, I'm, I'm just excited. I'm, I'm excited for the fact that these guys have been able to um, put the effort and the hard work and the perseverance together to get to the SEC championship three times. I mean, that's amazing. Uh, this this for what they've yeah. been able to accomplish. It's not easy by any means to play weekend and week out while at the same time being a student athlete and balancing everything else that comes with it. Um, by no means, even even with the ex- expectations as high as we're setting them, um, which makes it normal for us to be in the position that we are right now. By no means is this normal. Is it normal? Um, these guys work extremely hard. The coaching staff works extremely hard. I mean, the trainers, uh, everybody involved. It took it takes such a ridiculous amount of effort to do what these guys do and, and what they put their bodies through at such a young age. So I'm proud of these guys uh, at the end of the day. I mean, I know what it takes. I've been in the weight room, been in the film room. <laughs> uh, all, all those experiences, man, it, it is not easy. And these guys, like, people forget 
beyond and I talk about this a lot beyond just being players like these guys still have families they have things going on at home uh, all those types of dynamics that they have to deal with that nobody has any clue about so to overcome those obstacles and uh, to, to be where they are man it's, it's huge so I don't with, with all that we say want to get lost in the fact that like I'm super proud of these guys and uh, seeing what they accomplished like a lot of them I, I've known them you know I met them in their sophomore year in high school like Richard LeCount and, and uh, Jake Fromm like you know as I was going out and speaking and so to, to see how far they come now is really 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 cool so I'm, I'm excited to see their next step yeah let's not lose sight of them winning the SECs three times in a row it's not the best division in football but they have been consistent and beyond that 11 and one three years in a row that's something special to you uh and yeah let's let's not whatever happens on saturday against lsu i mean i think that will define this season because that's what the definition has become now is how far beyond the sec championship game this team goes but let's not lose sight that this team went 11 and one wasn't pretty at times but that's what they did and that's that's something to be said for that and it does not look like there's this you know other team in the sec east that's really closing the gap very quickly i don't think um and so you have optimism about the future and i think also appreciation for what this team has done three years in a row yeah another thing i like to add too is i'll i'll be at the uh, sec fan experience on uh the day of the game so if you guys are ah. around yeah come holler at me where is that tell people where to where to come and and, and bug Rennie Curran man I believe it's going to be at the World Congress Center okay yeah, I believe yeah I think they have like the little expo and the fan experience set up down there it's usually on like the bottom floor so yeah we'll be doing autograph signing me and I think like no shine and some of the other former guys so if you, you're trying to see the old heads <laughs> Come on, let us. We'll sign your autographs and all that good stuff. So, yeah. All right. Well, With the old heads now. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but you're not you're not as old as me still. So true. Not, true. You know, <laughs> I, I, you know I'm uh, I'm a contemporary of Kirby, who the gray is showing, whether Kirby wants to admit it or not, and it definitely is for me. <laughs> but anyway, that's a whole other matter. Yeah. All right, everybody. Thank you for listening. Rennie and I will be back next week to dissect and talk about what we saw between Georgia and LSU. Talk to you then. We just stepped on their face with a hobnail boot and broke their nose. We just crushed their face.